Welcome to the Internet Report. I'm Angelique Medina, and as usual, I'm joined by Archana K. Sivan. And we also have a special guest today, David Belson. David Belson is the Senior Director of Internet Research and Analysis at the Internet Society, where he focuses on efforts around internet measurement, internet shutdowns, and understanding market trends and how they impact the growth of the internet around the globe. He has 25 plus years of experience in the internet infrastructure space. He spent a lot of time at Akamai, where he launched the State of the Internet Report series. And he also publishes uh, a blog um, called the Internet Disruption Report, where he provides aggregated coverage of internet disruptions taking place in countries around the world, including uh, the causes of these disruptions. So we're really excited to have him join us today. So as usual, we're going to start by talking about some of the overall trends that we're seeing in terms of, of network availability across ISPs and cloud providers and UCAS providers. And then we'll talk about some of the interesting events that have occurred over the last week, including some uh, disruptions uh, to some uh, unemployment sites that we've seen occurring over the last few weeks. And then we'll touch on some of the interesting um, outage events that David has seen in his own um, work and that he's compiling. So with that, um, we're going to start um, by looking at some of these trends. And here, we'll just recap a little bit of what we saw uh, the last few weeks. So overall, good news. Um, we saw towards the end of March, so around March 16th, it started this um, slight increase. And then over the last week of March into April, held pretty steady. But then last week, we saw a pretty significant decline in the number of outages. So this is actually interesting because it's kind of in line with what we talked about last week, Archana, where we were speculating that the, the increase that we were seeing in outages didn't appear to be related to congestion because they were longer than what we would typically see um, under congestion events. And they were simultaneously, in many instances, happening over um, more locations. Um, so they were more widespread. And that seemed to indicate that they were related to maybe state changes that were being made. So either peering changes or configuration changes that were then leading to these incidents. So this is good news then, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and also, you know, if, if it was, looks like it was indeed those um, optimizations that were being done internally within the provider networks um, and uh, what the peak of traffic that, you know, that's been going up uh, has probably stabilized too. At this point, uh, everybody who's working from home is, is working from home, right? So uh, the, the watermark, uh, has completely uh, changed, like um, you, you were, we were talking about earlier, Lake, and um, that's one of the reasons. So you've seen the highest level of traffic. You've made all the changes that you need to, uh, from you know provider perspective, to accommodate for that. So that probably explains the um, drop off that we are seeing here. I think David, you had said that you were tracking some outage or, or sorry, traffic statistics from the IXPs, and you had seen also um, uh, this sort of increase in in traffic levels, and then sort of a, a leveling, if you will. Right, right, yeah. So looking at um, IXP graphs uh, across actually across a number of continents, uh, and some of the graphs that um, the big CDN providers have published recently. 
And yeah, it's, it's very much that sort of model where there's the, the peak that comes right around the time that, that uh, people are, are um, asked to stay at home, uh, the isolation events, uh, and then generally tails off a little bit after that and, and has hit this new sort of steady state uh, that the provider is obviously able to handle, um, but it's a little bit higher than it was in general, you know, in, in February, let's say, you know, about a month, right, a month right. before. So this seems to support kind of the notion that there, there was a, a few growing pains in getting to that point of, of supporting um, these increased traffic levels. But now it looks like there's, you know, we're getting to a point where, um, you know, that, that's the new normal, as you put it. And, you know, it seems like the providers are generally keeping up uh, with, uh, with the level of traffic. So that's good to see. Right. And, and I think the, the application providers have been doing uh, a lot of work scaling out uh, in many cases, you know, accelerating their year long uh, scaling plans into a week or two. Right. Uh, I know that a lot of the IXPs have gone to um, their participants with offers that basically say like, hey, you know, whatever you need, it's, you know, low cost, it's no cost. Uh, basically, you know, peer with whoever you can at whatever rates you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's been a lot of work done there to help, I think, uh, either either minimize or eliminate those bottlenecks. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, because this was something we, we touched on very briefly last week, which is the level of collaboration that's been occurring across yeah. providers has been really great to see. I mean, it's, it, there really has been a pulling together of everybody's kind of like, we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to get through it. So that's been, right. that's been really interesting. Absolutely. What I've also heard is between just application providers and ISPs, is a lot of cost-sharing models that are in play as well as they're enhancing their bandwidth. So um, definitely everybody is coming together to make sure there's enough capacity in there. Yeah, so we, we say the same drop in, in outages in the U.S. as well. Um, that, that's in line with what we see globally. So that's, that's good. And then in terms of the ISPs, again, same downward trend that we see dropped pretty substantially from, um, from March levels. So really, you know, very similar to what we saw in late February. Um, so this is, this is starting to look like, like what we see normally, you know, and again, um, there are outages that happen across the internet on a normal basis, right? You're never going to get to this, you know, zero level that that's not what normal looks like. Normal is, you know, there, there are things that happen, um, whether it's routing, uh, related or infrastructure related or uh, security related, like you might see with a DDoS attack. Um, this stuff is, is, is pretty normal. So this is looking, um, good overall. And then in the U.S., of course, again, um, pretty substantial decline in the, in the number of outages. Cloud providers, we haven't really seen a lot of impact on them over um, even the March period where we're seeing kind of a steady rise in, in, in overall outages um, across various providers. Cloud providers have seemed fairly immune to um, some of the recent issues. And one of the reasons we talked about is, you know, the fact that they run massive global networks. Um, in many cases, they have fairly extensive edges. In particular, um, Microsoft and Google, they um, tend to have users enter their, their network very quickly. And so they have a lot of capacity to absorb um, traffic surges. That's what they built their network for. So, um, so they've, they've fared very well um, during this period. And, uh, and you know, this, this is, continues to see weak 
continue to see that, you know, these are pretty normal levels overall, very low. And then the collaboration app um, providers um, in terms of their network, so not the application itself, but in terms of, of their network and issues that we're seeing there, we, we historically really have barely seen um, or hardly ever see outage events in the UCAS provider networks, but that wasn't the case in March. There was this sort of, um, there was periods throughout March where there was a spike in outages, which is really unusual. And we had, we had kind of speculated a few weeks back that, you know, this was probably something where they were adjusting to just the, un like, there's no way that you can plan for the surge that they've experienced. I mean, it's kind of incredible. I mean, millions and millions of, of call minutes. users all at once. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I think Zoom went from like, you know, 20, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was like 22. Yeah, um, tens of millions to like tens hundreds of millions. To like hundreds of millions, you know, so just an incredible uh, traffic growth, like in a space of a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, so, so not unsurprising that, you know, you'd see some, some issues crop up. But Again, that seems to have gone down. So hopefully we're reaching that stability point. We've responded pretty well, right? From 2099. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big downward sweep. So hopefully that yep. stays or goes down. Yep. Yep. So, you know, again, um, you know, steady decline. Most of them were, all of them, it looks like were in the U.S. last week. But, you know, it's, it's going in a good direction. I wonder if that's a function of most of the um, most of those providers being based in the U.S. That's uh, that probably is what it is. infrastructure, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they have more. I, I would I would think they would have more points of presence in the U.S. And so you're going to be you're potentially going to be depending on where you're located routed to a pop that's that's in the United States. Right. Also, I'm just um, wondering if this might be related to. Uh, last week being like a shorter week because of the Easter holidays. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, when we see your week over week next Monday, we'll be able to validate if that hypothesis is um, accurate or not. But uh, definitely a lot of um, uh, folks have been off Thursday, Friday. Um, mm, uh, interesting. And I know in many places today, today is a holiday as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it was in the U.S. <laughs> I did know that that I know that in uh, Europe and Australia, it's it's they had those days off. So yeah, yep. yeah, that'll be interesting to see next week or this week, next week. Um, so that's you know effectively just a highlight of of what happened um, last week and some trends that we saw. Another really interesting thing that we looked at. Um, and, and also kind of went back a few weeks looking at was uh, some issues that were cropping up with users uh, trying to connect to um, the New York Labor Department's unemployment site. Mm -hmm. um, and that was particularly interesting because it turned out that this did appear to be related to um, congestion within their network. Within their network, yeah, yeah. So what, what we're seeing here, and, and this is, again, um, traffic patterns and the impact of traffic that we've been seeing um, all the way up from March to um, it's, it's ongoing to last week. So what you see here um, specifically for the New York um, labor site is that the availability 
had these trends and these trends really mapped to time of day. So starting Monday to uh, Friday, you see some interruption with respect to just accessing um, the website itself, where the, this is actually the website where um, you know you file for unemployment. And over the weekend, um, there's stability. And then again, March 29th, you start seeing these um, time of day uh, dips again. So definitely there's, there's a trend that we're seeing. Last week, however, this came down a little bit uh, compared to the previous two weeks, just from an availability perspective. But still, there's definitely some kind of disruption going on, um, mapping again to time of day. So during the week, people are filing. Uh, more people are, you know, accessing the website to file um, these cla um, claims, and then that's kind of resulting in this. But I think what was very interesting for us to look at is this really mapped to an overall end-to-end um, -end packet loss, and the, which you know coincided with that. Um, time of day pattern that we were seeing uh, from Monday to Friday with respect to accessing the site. But if we came down to notice uh, where this congestion was or where this packet loss was, um, it was not necessarily on the internet per se. It was actually within um, the hosting location of where New York's unemployment uh, websites hosted itself. So it's within their um, own data centers that they are hosting this application, we started seeing this increasing packet loss. And, and that went through, this was the week of um, last week to like about April 1st. Um, and then again, over uh, here, when we come down to April 6th, we start seeing very similar uh, patterns as well. But this was all indications that the, the congestion was within the data center or within um, where the application was hosted itself. And, yeah. and uh, if we looked at some of the news articles that was going around uh, because of this disruption last week, there was mention about increasing uh, capacity within the network. Um, and this probably is capacity from an application perspective on the server, as well as capacity within the internal network as well to, to the routers or the switches that are you know, um, involved. Yeah. In there yeah yeah what's interesting there's a couple of things i mean from a pattern standpoint it it really does map to the um the advice that's been given um to have certain folks with last names have been given a designated day of the week to to apply and those days are monday through wednesday and then thursday friday and saturday are sort of wild card days but we're really seeing like monday wednesday Thursday and then a little bit on Friday is where you see those heavy peaks and not so much on a Saturday, which, you know, is maybe, you know, it's not, maybe people are trying to follow the advice of just filing on those specific days, but there's less traffic, it appears, or, or congestion on, on Saturday on the weekend. and over the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't have, they didn't specify Sunday. I'm not sure why, but I assume you can also apply on a Sunday. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that they're, they're really just hosted out of a single data center and they're not using any um, public cloud services or a CDN to front end um, their site, which could make it harder to very quickly absorb the level of traffic so they would have seen over the last few weeks. Um, I think the more for me, the moving to a public cloud that's not surprising because these are government um, federal agencies, so they're like kind of maybe a little slower in terms of the actual quote unquote cloud migration. But the front ending um, without a CDN that's definitely um, 
surprising. And we noticed this pattern um, across a couple of other, um, you know, unemployment sites as well. Um, California and some, yep. Yeah. So I guess... Surprising. Sorry. I, so my, my guess there also is that uh, I guess is twofold. One is, you know, that they are effectively in the um, you know October, early November period of of Black Friday shopping, where you don't want to touch the site no matter what uh -huh. at this point. Uh, you know, a and then B, um, you, you know, you're, you're dealing with state purchasing uh, mm. processes. So so yeah, they they're at this point they're all probably would love to clamor onto, you know, Amazon Cloud or Google Cloud or Oracle Cloud, whatever. Uh, but, you know, again, A, they're on a lockdown for the infrastructure, but B, they probably have to go through a multi-month, you know, procurement process that would, uh, would get them there. Yep. It'd be interesting to see after we come yeah. out of COVID, um, you know, how uh, some of these sites do end up changing. Uh, yeah. So over time, if we can keep track of uh, their uh, connectivity architecture, um, maybe they will move to the cloud. Uh, maybe they will have CDNs. Uh, yeah. It would be interesting also to understand how the, the, the backends on these as well. So, I mean, in this case, it looked like the traffic may not have even been getting to the backend uh, because of the, the congestion on the front end. But, you know, New Jersey had put out that call for COBOL programmers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm guessing they're not the only one. They're just the first one to raise their hand. You know, and, and I'm kicking myself for taking Pascal in 10th grade instead of COBOL. Could have had a side gig here. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because it seems like, and, and we've seen these this this issue with other um, sites that have that have got, seen a, a pretty significant surge as well, which is that whether it's a legacy network or hosting or application architecture, that's where we're seeing a lot of, um, a lot more pain, you know, because mm -hmm. in some instances we've seen uh, providers who are getting an increase in traffic and maybe they're handling the traffic okay, but their response time, application response time is really slow and they may, and yeah. these are often companies that have been in business a lot longer and probably have more technical debt. And so really this is, is kind of just points to the, the, I mean, real impact of, of your architectural choices, whether they be network or application related and cloud providers, like other services like CDN providers, kind of the real winners here, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so it'd be interesting to see if this perhaps triggers, um, as you mentioned, Archana, kind of some, not to use a, a a very, you know, um, a marketing -y term, but digital transformation. Um, I, I, yes, I, I said it, um, but, um, you know, that they start to rethink, you know, their, their posture, if you will, you know, and realizing just how little agility they have to respond to, to changes in need. So, you know, if there's any good outcome from this, that would be, um, that would certainly be one of them. Right. And it's definitely not that the internet is congested, right? Yeah. Um, and this just reiterates the fact that the internet's actually able to handle it. We yeah. didn't see any issues getting uh, within that data center where the application's hosted, but this congestion, yeah. like, you know, um, smaller parts of where the application's hosted. Yeah. Are yeah. so that's These have all been very much site or application specific, whether the issue's been related to the network or to the application uh, itself. And, yeah. and that's somewhat good news because that means that where we are seeing issues, they're relatively uh, 
uh, contained versus like something widespread um, or systemic. So, so that's good. Um, and I know that um, you've been tracking some interesting things that happened last week, David. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's just to the point you just made, that was um, when I, I published a blog post about internet resilience mm. um, for the Internet Society at the end of February, kind of before all this really hit. And, you know, there was some discussion of, you know, will the internet be able to handle all this? And one of the points I'd made in the post was that, you know, yes, we expect the internet to be able to handle all this, which I think we're, you guys are, are showing, uh, but that where we expected to see the problems was most likely going to be on the application side. Um, and I think that's, that's, you know, bearing out like what you just said. Um, you know, what I'm doing, um, well, so a few things, um, you know, one is, uh, as we talked about earlier, I've been looking at a lot of the um, articles and blog posts uh, from the various providers uh, and looking at data from from like IXPs and this, the um, uh, network providers trying to understand you know what what changes have they seen um, as a result of all the, the shift from working from home um, have they been able to handle it uh, you know and and by and large the answer has been yes you know again as you've pointed out there have been some hiccups more on the platform sides uh, and, and a little bit, I think also as we expected on some of the, um, the first mile connections, mm -hmm. you know, I think we're all privileged enough to have, you know, high speed internet access, which is great. Yeah. And it's probably less likely to become congested, but when you have a, um, more restricted, you know, home internet connection, uh, or you're reliant on, uh, uh mobile, you know, mobile tethering, um, it's going to be hard to do the streaming plus the video conferencing plus, you know, whatever else you need to do. Um, so, so compiling a lot of that data together to do a set of uh, follow-up blog posts uh, about internet resilience. Um, and then I've also been looking at, as part of the internet disruption report, um, you know, I look at things at, at a more aggregate level, generally a more of a country level. So, um, you know, I've been working on putting together the uh, March report. Um, and I think a couple of the major things that stood out there, um, one was um, seven separate power outages in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. um, that impacted connectivity there. You know, they, they, as I've found writing the report over the last year and doing similar work prior to that, um, you know, there are a handful of uh, common root causes. Uh, and, and Venezuela's power infrastructure just seems to be particularly problematic. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in past months, there's been one or two power outages that have been uh, significant enough to impact connectivity. Uh, in March, though, there were, there were seven. So we'll be looking at that, you know, what parts of the country did it impact. Um, and then uh, submarine cables uh, and problems with those cables uh, are also, have also been a common uh, factor. Um, so two that stood out in March uh, were the SAT-3 cable, um, which problem, uh, problems there impacted uh, connectivity in Angola and Gabon. Um, and then there was apparently what was called a dragon storm in Egypt, I guess, which is a pretty significant storm. Uh, that uh, created problems with the, the EC cable, E-A-S-S-Y, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, which had measured impact on, uh, I think, up to 10 countries. Mm. Uh, so some generally more significant than the other. Um, and then month to date in April, it's so over the last two weeks, um, the ACE cable, uh, Africa coast to Europe, had some problems earlier in the month, and that's caused connectivity problems in uh, Mauritania and Liberia. And then the... Uh, CMEWI 4 cable or SMW4, uh, which has historically had a lot of problems as well, um, 
had some, had more issues and uh, impacted connectivity to about five or six other countries. So, you know, we, we talk, I think we, we here you've gone into a lot more detail looking at more um, specific issues um, in what I've been tracking. They've been more aggregate, more higher level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and I think harder to, um, uh, what's the word? Um, not authenticate. Um, Ah. <laughs> to, to sort of know um, what what the actual user, yes yeah yeah well not so much the user impact but the the you know uh, the attribution that's the word I'm looking mm, for mm. Right, uh, right, so, right right so yeah. we can see through measurement that oh okay there are issues mm -hmm. in uh, a particular set of countries and you have to start looking for the commonalities mm. and say oh these are all connected to this given cable uh, you know sometimes uh, an affected provider will. Um, say something and, and they'll, they'll post something that says, oh, our upstream uh, provider is having problems or, you know, there's been a cut on the SMW4 cable or the eighth cable that's created problems for our subscribers. You know, we sincerely apologize and so on. Um, but in many cases, the consortiums that own the cables don't say anything. Yeah. In many mm. cases, the providers don't say anything. Mm. So it becomes really challenging to, to definitively attribute um, the problems that we see. Yeah, and there's the, um, the Venezuela outages that you were talking about in March, um, the, the, the substantially high number. Do you see that related to the situation we are in or, you know, are they just independent uh, occurrences? Uh, they're independent occurrences. I think that, mm -hmm. I mean, Venezuela has had historically problematic power infrastructure. Uh, and um, I think just in March happened to have enough power edges that had power edges that that had a sufficient impact on internet connectivity mm -hmm. uh, you know if you look through the twitter feed for um oh i'm trying i can't remember the name of the power company there but they have a pretty active twitter feed and i mean it, pretty much like every day they're they're something you know we, we have dispatching crews here dispatching crews there to fix this issue to fix that issue so i think you know it's, it's they're in a constant state of repair i think not all of the issue, not all of the the um, power problems there, though, uh, have a widespread impact on internet connectivity. Got yeah. it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and one of the interesting things too is that we see, oftentimes, power outages are hard to detect uh, through internet monitoring because you know, in many cases, the the points, the endpoints that are being measured, are within data centers, mm -hmm. uh, and, and generally, the data centers will have backup power. They'll have better power. Uh, so it's when you start seeing, you know, traffic loss from uh, subscriber uh, connections and when you start seeing um, uh, measurements to uh, endpoints within the, the subscriber ISPs failing, um, that's generally when it starts to show up in these, these types of reports. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, you know, you've been doing this for a while in terms of compiling a lot of these um, incidents and, and kind of collecting them and documenting them, which I think over time is really helpful because it helps people to understand what baseline is, you know, that there yeah. are, you know, a variety of different issues that can happen. And, you know, to your point, um, you know, in the case of Venezuela, this is, you know, fairly common and not necessarily attributable to any political climate or anything like that. Um, and, and the internet is so vast that having different angles on what's going on, whether it be sort of at the kind of the infrastructure level or even just kind of like the, the cable level, the pipes, mm -hmm. um, um, and understanding that, or even 
uh, the advantage that, for example, that maybe the CDN providers or the cloud providers have, because every one of them has a slightly different view or picture of what's going on and the same with all the IXPs and no one of these entities can see the whole picture it's really just through some compositing of of you know if that's word of uh you know all of these data sets do you start to kind of does it start to emerge of like what the overall um uh, kind of you know state of the internet is if you will yeah, no, no, absolutely. That's the that's absolutely true, and that's so. One of the other projects I'm working on at the Internet Society is around. Um, it, it, they've they've put out uh, put forth um, eight project areas that they're focusing on for 2020. So I'm involved uh, with the measuring the Internet project. Um, surprise, mm. surprise, and uh, focusing specifically on a use case around Internet shutdowns. So that is one of the things we're trying to do is work with partners to to aggregate these different vantage points to really help understand, okay, you know, this set of measurements saw a problem in a given country at a given time, but this set didn't. So, you know, was it really a shutdown or was it something else? Um, you know, and, and in looking at some of these events and some of these disruption events, they def they, they're definitely more evident in, in certain types of measurements than others. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, maybe, you know, I think it'd be helpful to give us an overview of kind of what the what the mandate is of the internet society because you mentioned like this this work around disruption is it is it because they're they want to track um, issues around internet sovereignty or or you know like censorship or is it or is there a broader agenda and and what what is sort of the mandate of the internet society overall sure so i mean we our our our, our aim is to you know is the internet for the internet is for everyone. Um, so making sure that not I shouldn't say making sure, but you know, helping to drive towards uh, uh, making sure that everybody has internet connectivity and, and usable internet connectivity, and and making sure that the internet remains open, globally connected, uh, secure, and trustworthy. Um, you know, and those are I think four key areas that that we we focus the project areas on, that we focus the advocacy work and the policy work. Um, you know, we do a lot of work around IXP deployment. We do a lot of work around community network deployment. So, so those unserved and underserved areas, mm. trying to bring them onto the internet, doing a lot of work around encryption, time security, um, uh, the project I'm involved with measuring the internet. So, so we, we've broken it out into four use cases, um, but really ultimately, you know, trying to ensure that, that the internet is, is available and, and is usable for as many people as possible. Yeah, that's great. Well, then I guess, you know, one, my, maybe the last thing we can cover here is your thoughts on how the recent events could potentially impact um, rulings around net neutrality going forward, given that the internet has kind of um, been seen as very essential um, to everyone recently. I don't know if you have any thoughts right. on that. If if there's thinking that you know, because because I, I think in the last ruling they basically said it's not really a utility. You know, it's but but you know, can can we can the case be made now that you know it is actually quite essential? Um, so so I think the case can absolutely be made that it's essential. I'm going to actually sidestep the question of net neutrality because okay. that is a rat hole that, that I don't want to go fair, down. Fair, fair. <laughs> having said that, I think that the current events hopefully uh, will do more to, to um, get the policymakers around the world to help close the digital mm. divide. So, mm. you know, 
again, there are a lot of places, even in the U.S., where yeah. high-speed broadband is either not affordable or not available. Yep. Uh, you know, you have kids sitting in cars outside of school buildings or libraries trying to, you know, snag the Wi-Fi signal uh, to, to get their homework done. You know, internationally, um, you know, there are, in many countries, the, the internet infrastructure, especially the last mile infrastructure, is just insufficient. Yeah. You know, and hopefully there can be a lot more investment made in, in really bringing that up to a usable level and to creating environments uh, that are sufficiently competitive um, where, you know, the, the cost of getting online is, is much more reasonable. Well, I think that's a great place to end the show today. <laughs> so, Archana, why don't you take us out? Yeah, sure. Um, David, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, great hearing from you and, and, you know, your perspective of how the Internet is doing. Um, and again, um, Angelique, it'll be very interesting to see next week uh, how the ISPs do and how the UGAS providers do as well. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Hopefully we'll have another outage and we can talk about it again. So, <laughs> so no, every week there seems to be an interesting outage that you're covering. Top security. <laughs> yeah, but but I think the key is these outages, you know, um, happen with or without COVID. Absolutely. Right? Like you know, Absolutely. that's that's the key to remember. We've seen these outages before COVID. We are seeing them during, and we will continue to see them um, after the situations pass. So, with that, if you're um, interested in hearing more about, you know, um, how we understand outages, how we dissect that, feel free to just subscribe to our blog, blog.thousandeyes.com, or follow us on Twitter. Until then, um, have a safe week, and we'll see you next week, guys. 